Hello and welcome to The Student Space, a podcast for students about high school, life after school and how to actually be an adult. Before we jump into the chat, I want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast and pay my respects to the elders past and present of the Rwandri people of the Kulon Nations. Today, I'm joined by Will, who is an 18-year-old social entrepreneur who is dedicated to supporting youth across the globe to realise their true potential. After dropping out in school in Year 12, Will is the CEO and founder of Youth Leadership Academy Australia. He travels all around Australia, New Zealand and other places in the world to inspire young people to realise their leadership potential and reminds us that age does not determine your ability to achieve great things. Will's story is certainly inspiring and I know by the end of today's chat you'll feel empowered, motivated and confident to start or perhaps continue your own entrepreneurial journey. Enjoy! Alrighty, well, Will, welcome to the student space. So excited to have you on the podcast today. Like I ask everyone, what did you want to be when you were younger? When I was younger, there was a few things. So first of all, I loved cooking. So I was going to open a restaurant. It was going to be called Willamendos. Oh, I love it. Uh, and I used to make food and make my mum and my dad pay for toasted sandwiches <laughs> and tomato noodles. Um, That's hilarious. Going from that, I then wanted to become a pilot because I loved the atmosphere from the airport. And I pretty much wanted to do that up until about year 11. Oh, there you go. I think you were very entrepreneurial from back then, the cheese toasties and the two-minute noodles. Yeah. Yeah. And there was even like moments where me and my friend wanted to go to like the royal show. So we'd go around selling cookies in the neighborhood. There you go. So you're very entrepreneurial and we'll get into that much later on. But tell me where this stemmed from. I've always said that like for as long as I remember, I've always thought differently, different to my friends, different to my family and different to society. And I've always been someone who likes to solve problems. I've always been able to solve problems when it's presented to me, find different ways, think outside of the box, get rid of the box, whatever it needed. Um, and that pretty much led to me, whenever I've seen a problem, getting rid of it. And now it's turning into getting rid of a problem and monetizing it in a way of entrepreneurship. Mm, very, very cool. Now, you did grow up in a small regional community in Western Australia. How has this shaped your perspective on the world business or life perhaps yeah so we grew up in a town of like eight thousand people um and it was very small everybody knew everyone and what it actually led to is rather a a large amount of opportunities because as soon as i did something a lot of people knew and a lot of people supported me because of the small community um the lack of opportunities were also there and very present going to year 11 there was very limited subjects to choose from and many people left the community to get schooling other, other places. Same with university. But the support I had from the community was always backing me. Um, and I've always loved the sense of community in small communities. So that's always so, I think that from the support that I've got and the support my family's got, but it's so interesting because like as soon as you can't do anything wrong, you can't do anything good without everybody knowing. Absolutely. And it's good to know that you do have that support so that now when you are doing workshops, traveling the country, there's a bit of a fan base that from your roots back there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Literally, as soon as something happens, everybody knows. And um, since having explored so many cities and regions around Australia and also the world as well with the work that you do, what's been the major differences between rural and metro students? I think the biggest difference is the acts the access of opportunities you find many regional students many rural students 
don't actually know or understand the amount and the abundance of opportunities that actually lie so close to them, or they don't have access to them either financially, ge- geographically. Um, it's very, it's very distinct, which we'll probably talk about later. In our Darwin event, the seven out of eight schools that were registered were all private schools, oh, um, wow. because it was more rural and because it was such a remote, remote communities. The actual access for remote communities to attend the event was very, very slim. Um, so we applied for a grant through the Northern Territory government to be able to actually fund that, to for them to get to the, to the event. Um, but between regional and rural students, metro students, yeah, there's just so much disproportion of like opportunities. Absolutely. And so going back to your entrepreneurial flair, at only 11 years old, you created Planopedia. Did I say that right? Yep, the Wikipedia of planes. Love it. So what is it? Air travel business? Yeah. So it was a, it was a business that, so every time we went through the airport, every time so many people go through the airport, it's like, your mum wakes you up at like 6am and you're like, what are you doing? The flight's at 4pm. <laughs> um, I feel like 90% of people have experienced this. Absolutely. And it's just so stressful. And I was like, okay, as an 11 year old, I'm going to solve the stress of air travel. Um, and it was through preparation. So I was writing flight reviews, um, giving up news updates, seat reviews, and just like made this website dedicated to just solving any problems, answering any questions that anyone had for flight. That's incredible. So at 11 years old, you built your own website. Yeah, I literally, I remember sitting on the lounge and Googling how to make a website. That's crazy. And so all self-taught. Yeah, yeah. And I guess at that moment, there was like a very change because I always thought that websites were such a hard thing to do. Yeah. They have like to make a website. Everybody thought that was hard. I think it's now becoming more common that people understand like you can just drag and drop to build websites these days. Yeah, totally. Which also, back in 2014, wasn't very known as it is now. I guess it was kind of pre-Shopify blew up, where it was really easy to, like you said, drag and drop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but now, people understand, like, it was, there were so many questions, like, how did you make a website? I was like, drag, drop. Mm, there you go. And people don't know that. No, no. And, but it's a lot more clear now. Um, but yeah, going on from that, Planopedia turned into, like, a sort of a consulting aviation website where I was actually approached by a few airlines. No way. Yeah. So, so 11 years old, you had, what was it, like Qantas? Uh, at fi- this, by 15. So I built up okay. the following. Um, and I was, at, yeah, at 15, I was at the airport on the runway with a bu- whole bunch of corporate executives at a Qantas media event. Oh, just casually. It was really whack because I was literally in Adidas shorts and like, shorts and thongs. And... Yeah, yeah, and just was like, oh yeah, I was... and there was just a lot of grey hairs in me. That's crazy. So, from that moment, did you think, oh, I want to do this for the rest of my life, start businesses, solve problems? Um, from that moment, I realised my age didn't matter, and I knew I wanted to be respected in whatever I wear. So I've always had this thing like I want to be able to rock up in business media thongs and not be any less respected if I was in dress shoes. Yeah. Um, it's been a big thing for me. I don't know why, but it just has been. I was at the event a few weeks ago and Heather, one of our facilitators, was like, oh, look, dreams don't have a dress code. I was like, yes, click for that. Yeah. Wait, so tell me in that moment at 15 years old when they're all in business suits, dress shoes, and you're there just chilling in thongs and board shorts. Did you feel like, oh, I don't fit in here? Did you feel, no, nah, I'm going to challenge it? I, I feel like there was, 
I've always said that the respect didn't come from what I wore or, the, or who I was or my age. It came from the work that I had done and the following that I had built. Yeah. Um, so they weren't going to disrespect me because I was literally writing reviews about them. They wanted you. They wanted you on their side. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the same thing happened with. But it was also very fun because I had to literally wake up my brother to take me to the airport because I didn't have a license. Oh, nor had, I couldn't be. I had to be have someone over eighteen to come with me. Um, and the same thing happened when Singapore Airlines invited me to their media event. It was like I need someone to come with me. I need someone to take me out of school for the day. It was. It was. And it took a lot of convincing. That's funny now looking back but hey that's business it's life it doesn't yeah. matter what age you are you can do anything yeah absolutely wow okay so let's talk about your high school experience now you mentioned that there were very few opportunities in year 11 in the small country town so how did you pick your subjects for year 12 so the first sort of experience that i got was in year nine yep um and that was through the local community and the one opportunity that they the big opportunity that they did have was they Fund, the Bendigo Bank funds two, three students a year to attend a five-day business camp, business ah. and leadership camp um, for young people. And that was Magic Moments. Yep. And coming back from that, I was so committed to creating change within my school, community and country. I joined the Youth Advisory Council, Student Council, um, and then going into year 11, that's when I really started to get mad about the subjects and, and not being prepared for leadership and I was also very mad because I had this epic opportunity to travel to Sydney, do the five-day leadership camp, and be equipped with so many skills. But for the normal person, that was seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah. Not totally. financially accessible. No, not geographically accessible for a lot of people. And I was like, okay, I'm going to fix this. If not me, then who? If not now, then when? As quote by Malcolm X. Um, and I also very much respected the fact that teachers can't cannot change the education system. Um, and it's very inflexible for them. So instead, I was going to create a platform for them to be able to teach the skills that they can't teach. Absolutely. And I know myself as a future teacher, learning all about the curriculum and the content, and it's so tied up in policy. It's so hard to change. Yes, we have all these big ideas and you know we want X, Y, and Z to change, but in reality, it's much harder than that. So it's awesome that you saw that opportunity to make the most of it. Did you find any of your subjects were outdated or irrelevant to what would occur in real life, say with business or maths or science? Yeah, so I went into year 11 doing physics and methods. Yep. Because I wanted to be a pilot. Oh, yes, gotcha. Within about three days, I dropped both of them. This relates to the whole planopedia. You were obsessed. Yes, exactly. Um, Within about three days, I dropped them because the passion for becoming a pilot, passion for aviation had dropped over the summer and the passion for creating change in young people was going up. Yep. So I thought I will start doing accounting, I'll start doing business management, um, I was just doing basic maths, general English. But the funny part of business management was the social media marketing content didn't even have social media in it. Um, I don't think it even exists. Yeah, no. It literally, it did the marketing did not mention social media, and this was in 2018, yeah. See, I did it in 2014, and it's funny, I'm actually becoming a bm teacher yeah. and the marketing aspect is like seven p's of marketing yeah, whatever it is yeah. that, like that doesn't happen you need influencer marketing you know yeah, viral yeah, tiktok yeah. insta and uh, like it's going back to the curriculum it's literally so outdated it's i think it's you're probably gonna know this but like i think it's updated every three years it, yeah if that and the changes are very slight yeah 
that's it. So by the fourth year, third year, whatever's made is already three years old. Yep. Um, and with COVID, they said, oh, we're just going to keep it an extra year and extend it. Uh, how much has changed in the last three years between COVID? Absolutely. Like, the entire world has shifted to a point where it will never be the same. And then accounting made me even more mad because... Five percent of the entire grade was computer accounting. You know how much percent is normal accounting? Like, how much percent is actually computer accounting in real life? Everything's computers in real life. Exactly. (laughs) So that just made me even more frustrated. Um, And yeah, I was a very angry student. (laughs) That's so funny. So now let's go back to the magic moment youth leadership summit. So you got a scholarship, or you got an opportunity to go to that summit. Yeah. Learn all about entrepreneurship, business, and then you came back. And then tell me how that led you to start the Youth Leadership Academy Australia, what you do now. Yeah. So I was very mad, very angry, but also knowing that my age did not matter, what I learned through Planet P, through being at the airport, uh, and through the, the connections I made with, within Magic Moments, I learned like the greatest lesson of my life. What I like to say is like my age does not determine your, my ability to achieve extraordinary things. Um, and with that anger, it was that, that quote by Malcolm X, if not me, then who, if not now, then when? And it was always an idea for about a year of hosting a one-day youth event, very similar to Magic Moments in Perth, financially accessible for every student. Um, I didn't start a business with the intent to make money. I started a business with a platform to legally run events, um, mm-hmm. legally, legally be able to collect funds. Then we hosted that first event about six months into 2018. Um, I was in year 11 at the time with 65 students in a football club in Perth. Um, it was a really, really unprofessional event, but it was a very, very good stepping stone because 92% of students left feeling more adequately prepared for the future. Ah, can I just ask, when you came back from the um, leadership summit and you thought, I want to do events, I want to do these workshops, did you sit down, was it by yourself or did you have a team that came and created the workshops, the content, what you would deliver or was it you just running the one-man show? So, on I think it was like the 15th of January, I read a quote. My whole entire life is like triggered by quotes. I love this. Um, Hilarious. Quote by Karen Lamb, which was, a year from now, you wish you started today. That day, I messaged Maddie Hedewick, who at the time was going to support me. I also messaged Anna Richards, who was to become my mentor for the past next four years. Cool. Um, and how did you know these people? Through previously? magic moments. Gotcha. Um and going back into Magic Moments, I was also the grant writer in through 2016 and 2017. So I actually got grants from like Telstra to sponsor a whole bunch, to sponsor a few people to go over, one of them being Maddie. Gotcha. Um, Maddie will come into the story a bit more later. Yep. And so connected with them, two people, and talked my idea. No idea on how to run events. Had no idea how to do marketing to schools. But what... Anna's always said is her first business was her apprenticeship to entrepreneurship, um, which I very much agree that Planopedia was that. I had all the, I learned how to do marketing, I learned how to connect with people, I learned how to write partnerships through grants, and I used all of them skills to run that one day event in Perth. Um, I connected with speakers, talked to people, and yeah, we just we made we we reached out to guest speakers. We made an entire event full of cool people who spoke at random places. That's so cool, and it does take an army to mm. create these things. Yeah. Everyone all heads in together. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me about your school, teachers, principal. Did they support you with all your entrepreneurial ventures? I was very lucky. 
um, that I did have an extremely supportive school and the fact that like I could continuously run these events. So in 2018, my school came to the event. Oh, nice. 2019, they came to the event again. Um, but in the first week of 2019, I sat down with the principal and said, I don't want to do ATAR anymore. Were they devastated? Um, he said, I'll never ever go to uni in my life. <laughs> so We're going to definitely touch on this later. So in the school aspect, in your principal's eyes, he thought, if you're not going to sit to ATAR, there's no way you can get into uni. Yeah, absolutely. Were you gutted or did you not believe him? Oh, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. I don't want to go to uni oh, anyway. Okay. It did not bother me. Okay, cool. Um, and it was just going to be very hard for me getting uni and there were so many more consequences of dropping out of ATAR. And I was like, okay, mum, can you please sign this? And she was like, yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, but also it was very scary for mum and dad. Because That's what I was going to ask. How did your parents support you with dropping out of school? Yeah, I, I, so I didn't drop out. I just dropped out like, oh, what's VCAL so equivalent, I would say. So you didn't sit the exam. So you still uh, went to school, yeah. but you didn't get assessed and get an ATAR. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's common. That's, yeah. Lots of people do that. Yeah. So I did that, and mum was very scared because she always thought I'd either go to uni. Dad wanted me to get an apprenticeship, um, coming from a small community, have a job, have security. I was just like, no, Follow thank you very much. Follow the traditional path, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. And not because they didn't believe in me, but because they wanted to protect me. Yeah. Um, which I'm grateful for, but... I'm sorry, but I'm not doing that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so mum signed it, and I went through year 12 with 51% attendance. Oh, my goodness. Um, didn't get my BCE, you could say my WACE is what it's called oh, in yep. WA. Yep. Um, and stood at graduation with a, my name in a little envelope with nothing in it. Oh, but that's okay. Yeah, and I was I was so comfortable with it as well. Absolutely, because in the background, you were doing all these Yeah, workshops. and that's why we had... That's why there was such a low attendance rate because I was running these events around the country. Um, in 2019, we had, I think we only, so I did that conversation with the principal. At the three weeks later, we hosted a tour with only 30% of tickets sold. Um, so it was also quite scary at that point as well because it was like, oh, well, I've just left school and now we've only sold 30% of tickets. Talk to me about that. How, how do you go about, well, obviously like marketing it, marketing it but when you don't sell out? Like, how do you cover all the costs? How do you fill the seats? Um, I'm extremely cost efficient. Oh, love it. I'm, Good to hear. People, people very much ask how I've ran events at such low cost. I've also been very lucky because in the build-up of the business, I haven't had to pay rent, I haven't had to pay a mortgage, I haven't had to feed a family. Of course. Um, which is why when people ask me why I started in year, in year 11, it's more of like, why would I not start when I'm getting fed food? Got a home over your head. A home. Yeah. 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 Supportive parents as well. Um, Very lucky. So, yeah, I I didn't sell out, but I still managed to stay on top of everything because at the same time, we also started implementing school programs um, where they were going to start covering the cost of the events. Oh, awesome. And so let's just touch back on your parents and how supportive they were, which is fantastic. But for students who may not have that support from their parents or the community, what advice would you give them if they really want to start their own venture? I would say it's a lot about, like, I've had a lot of doubters as well. So my parents aren't actually together. Um, very lucky that they're, very, they're pretty much best friends, but um, ex-stepdad that was very not supportive and very much doubted the idea of having A, having your own business, B, being able to have a business, have fun, work, and set up a life of success. And be so young as well. Yeah. 
Um, I'm a very big believer in balance. I have a very good social life. I have a very good business life and a very bad sleep life, but that's okay. (laughs) We can't have everything. Um, You can work on it. But in terms of getting that support or dealing with that support, I've always used the disencouragement for encouragement. So any doubt has been, I will show you, I will prove to you that I can do it. So in 2018, when I was hosting that first event, I literally got yelled at, saying I would never ever sell out an event. Three years later, we sold out every event. There you go. You just proved them wrong. Yeah, in in two countries. That's crazy. What was the other one? Australia and? New Zealand. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. And so you do describe yourself as a social entrepreneur. Tell me what that is. I know you touched on it about you didn't go into it wanting to make money. Yeah. But what is that? Um, I like to say it's impact over income always. That's the ethos of the like entire so philosophy, you could say, of the company. Anything we do is driven by impact. Um, my goal for the events is to literally get them down to like free scholarships because the vision of Youth Leadership Academy is to be able to provide leadership opportunities regardless of their financial position. So, yeah, I guess it literally is that impact over income and following that, being consistent with that and being very aware. So in 2019, when we didn't sell out, we only sold 30% of the seats. It was because I was so focused on getting bums on seats and trying to prove the people who would prove the people who doubted me wrong. I took 12 months to realign myself with the event objectives, recreated them, refocused the energy. And that's when in 2020, we sold out with 100%, 103% through bad math. Should have stayed in school. <laughs> so those extra 3%, were they sitting on the floor? No, there was just a very crowded room. Oh, that's too funny. Going back to doubt or self-doubt, what advice would you give students who feel maybe a bit of an imposter? Like, oh, I'm or I'm too young, or I, I just can't do this. Know that, like, there's literally no reason why you cannot do it. The only thing that's stopping you is, well, A, yourself. Um, the biggest thing that I've learned is talking to, so research. Research is the number one step to achieving anything. And when I say research, don't just Google. Like, talk to people, connect with people, use LinkedIn, listen to people, listen to podcasts like this, list, read books, whatever it takes for you to research and start to understand that, A, you can do it. And B, you'll have such a great impact if, uh, doing the work that you're doing. Um, the biggest thing for doing anything is understanding the why, the why you do it. So for me, I do this because I was so angry in year 11, year 12, I understood what other young people are going through. Um, and that continuously drives the work that we do. And seeing the results, again, pr- like just puts fire in like, my stomach to just keep going forward, ensuring that every young person has access to leadership opportunities, whether it's through me or it's through collaborations that we make, because I know I cannot talk to every single young person in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. And you did mention all about researching and don't just Google how to make a website or how to do this or whatever. Um, I do understand that throughout your time, you've learned a lot by yourself along the way. Google, word of mouth, LinkedIn, YouTube, from other people. But what do you think are the top, I don't know, couple of skills or tools that a student needs to nail or learn before they start their own venture? Great, great question. Um, I think one of the biggest things is that I also still very much struggle with is public speaking. Um, That's what, crazy when you speak all the time for yeah, your job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I'll, I'm still not the best speaker. Um, not necessarily public speaking and talking in front of people, but being able to sell a yourself, be your idea to a random person in a random street 
in like a 30 second elevator pitch is what they're called. Yeah, totally. Um, and the only way you can do that is being able to, is b- believing in what you're selling as well. So for me, I 100% believe it, but also being so authentic because uh, everybody can see through unauthentic, uh, un- unauthenticity. I don't know what if that's a word, yeah, but yeah. It, whatever it's called. Um, so that would be number one. Number two. Yeah, number two, what another skill? Like, public- for example, social media or basic accounting or, commu- or you said communication and public speaking. Yeah. So I guess like for any business to be able to be operational, it needs to be able to sell things. Yeah. Um, so having a very clear mind of where you're going to make the money, how you're going to make it and how you're going to cover costs. Because as like the real reality is you need to be able to make money to be able to stay afloat, to be able to feed yourself. Um, and I've also been very lucky to volunteer a lot in the past four years, which has provided me with so much more return as well. Um, but I don't go into volunteering for the intent to get return. It's just like talking to people, meeting, making them connections. Because, yeah, a person you don't know is a stranger. A stranger is the best friend you haven't met yet. Absolutely. All right, so just to summarise these two points for anyone listening, public speaking skills or even just communicating skills in general to be able to sell yourself, to be able to um, believe in yourself and communicate that to the world. And then also you mentioned about... Being very clear on what what you're selling. Yes, that's right. So essentially determining your why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, you need to be able to make money. Absolutely. Now, throughout this whole process... Did you have a mentor? And I know you mentioned a few names before. How did you connect with them and then how did they guide you? Yeah. So Anna has been probably number one. Um, I met her through the Magic Moments event. Mm-hmm. I sat next to her in 2017 and gave her a pen for Planopedia. The pen story goes, I started ordering pens, sold, or ordered 200 pens because of the local community. I sold 200 pens in two weeks, $2 each. Um, and that I didn't pay a cent for because my mum's name is Karen and I complained, as any Karen would. Oh. Karen's son would make her proud because they didn't arrive on time. That is hilarious. Um, so 200 pens for free, thanks yeah, to Karen. Yeah, Shout out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I gave Anna a pen. She was like, what is this? And we talked about it. And then six months later, I figured out she lived in Perth. So I reached out. I was like, you want to speak at this event? Um, and she said, Yes, and that's when she became a mentor. And there's actually a very funny photo of like the three years between events. Like, there's a, the the first event and then the most recent event in yeah. Brisbane. The first event being the sixty five students of football club. The Brisbane event being two two and a half years later with five hundred people at a convention center. Queensland's like finest venue. It's like wow, that's crazy. It's like all growing up. Wow, that's really special. Now. A student, let's say, wants to start their venture or a business and wants to find a mentor but has no idea where to get one. Any advice? Yeah. Um, join LinkedIn. Yep. Put yourself out there. Find people who are like-minded slash people that are already in the same industry. Join Facebook groups because mentors don't need to be necessarily someone you talk to every single day nor someone you can actually talk to in general. Yep. Um, I know for me, a big mentor was literally Gary Vee. And not necessarily, he got me motivated. I don't, I no longer listen to him very much because I'm like, I'm motivated. Yep. Um, you're some, ready to go. Some, you don't need like yeah, a kick yeah, up the yeah. bum to keep going. Yeah. I think there was like one view. It was like, you're motivated now. Just stop watching. I was like, okay, fair enough. And I haven't watched since. Um, there's still times where I go back. Ask people for 30 minutes of their time to ask them questions. Sorry. 
ask them questions, pick their brain. More often than not, they're going to say yes. But also, if they say no, every no is one no closer to a yes. Um, don't be disheartened by no's. Absolutely. Let's talk quickly about LinkedIn. So if you're in school and you're listening and you're like, what on earth is LinkedIn? Just a bit of a side note. It's like the Facebook equivalent for like professional relationships. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. It's like your profile picture has a bow tie or instead of like just you at the beach. Yeah, exactly. So with LinkedIn, you connect with other people in the industry and it's really easy to search people and say, if you want to work at a particular company, search that company and you'll find people that work there. So connect with them, message them and just say, hey, I... I'm thinking of starting this idea. I noticed that you also started up your own thing. I'd love to have a phone call for 20 minutes and ask you some questions. Honestly, the worst they can say is no. And it, Absolutely. Exactly. We met on LinkedIn. So um, moving on, I know we touched on this about you not being able to get to New Zealand and obviously that's due to COVID, but what other impacts does COVID have on, you know, the Youth Leadership Academy and then how did you overcome these? Yeah. So our last event last year, we've had epic results in Queensland. We had 12 people in 2019 and then 24 in 2020. Yep. Um, and that event was on the 17th of March. And if anyone remembers, remembers the 17th of March last year, I'm pretty sure that was like the day that everything started closing down and borders started closing. Um, and 2020 was going to be a big year. So we had it was going to America, to South South America. I was had programs booked throughout the entire year. We had entrepreneurs' events. Um, it was going to be insane. But the event industry is not a good industry to be in in, in, a, in a pandemic. Um, so on the 17th of March, every event, every program, every engagement got cancelled. Flight attendant called me, or flight agents called me, travel agent. and was like, you should probably come home before the borders close. I was like, okay. So we finished that Brisbane event. Literally that, that night, got on a plane and flew home. And that was the last time I left the state until January. Were you devastated? Would you, did you think, oh, no, my business is on the verge of collapsing or this is going to be a real tough year? What did you think? Um, I didn't. Well, we went, we, I went home. We tried to do online stuff. So we created a, a leadership program. Um, four people signed up. So it wasn't a success. And at that point, I was like, oh, well, this isn't good. And it was very much like, where do we go from here? Um, very confused, very uncertain would be the word I wouldn't say on the verge of like giving up, but I was very uncertain because I didn't know what it needed for me to be able to continue going. Very lucky being lived in Perth that I still could live. Um, so I turned 18 in late June and decided for me to go all in and me to be able to continue going, it was for me, I needed to be independent. So I actually moved to Perth, which was two hours away from home, um, and got a job at a call centre, the worst job in the world. Really? Oh, I was doing sales for like a Cert 3 in hospitality. Oh my goodness. So wait, you went from running your own business, COVID, you like got a real job and I've got like air quotes here. Yeah. So I, because I needed to keep the business alive, there were so many, still expenses building up, there's still so many softwares to be paid. So we got a job to be able to cover all the costs. And to live in Perth. Yep. Um, but that was the most demotivating but motivating thing to get it going again because I was like, I never want to work at A for someone, B, Nicole Centre ever again in my life. Yeah, totally. I can imagine how demotivating that would have been because you would have been almost at the peak of like, oh, this is great. We're growing yeah. so much. 2020 is going to be a big year to 
nothing. I yeah. had to go find a job now to support yeah. myself. Yeah. So I got that job and pretty much was like, stayed there for a month, started selling tickets, and within that month of selling tickets, we sold a thousand. Wow. To put that in perspective, we sold 700 in 2020, 200 in 2019, 60 in 2018. So, like, yeah. in a month, we'd sold more tickets than we had in over the three years. There you go. Do you put that to like the power of social media or word of mouth, or do you feel that COVID really helped drive t- ticket sales up? Yeah, uh, absolutely. We we had three years of trying and failing how to market. We we learned how to market. We learned what schools needed. We professionalized one hundred percent. It was no longer the website no longer looked like a fifteen year old had made it, um, and it was completely about building trust from the outside and for the schools um and that came with the venue changes so we 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 only anticipated we did anticipate to sell 2000 tickets over the entire tour um because we have like a growth rate of like 300% for the past 3 years yep we ended up selling 4000 um changing venues so many times because we had to get keep getting bigger and then also adapting to restrictions and that one thing and another and for Sydney and Melbourne we actually need to have two events because we had 500 one day, 500 the second day, and then Sydney, we'll have 500 one day and 500 the second day. That's so cool. And in being so flexible around COVID, what has been, like, the biggest lesson that you've learned? Um, I actually have a wristband that says flexibility on it. I've had it for, like, Oh, really? I didn't yeah, see that. No, remaining flexible, but also, like, being well on top of everything. So understanding, understanding restrictions was so tough. We actually, during COVID, we bring on the first staff member, Maddie. So Maddie, who supported me in the first event, came back on as an actual employee, as the event manager in late 2020. Um, same with Laura, school relationships officer, Jay. So the team went from one to four over COVID. Oh, cool. Um, and they're fully paid positions. So then you became from a one-man show to now having a, like a team. Yeah, yeah. And the biggest thing from COVID I learned was like, just be so aware of what's happening. Every person who's managed events, I know people who've managed events for like 30 years, they're like, they've ne- never had a year like this. Yep. So, been thrown in the deep end, but just being aware of what's happening in the world. Like, there's literally me walking to the gym in the mornings with like the New South Wales Premier doing their press conferences, and then it's like change over to the Vic Premier um, because building up to that tour, we sold out in December. It was, I, was, I was like, we can't sell any more tickets. <laughs> and then from December, there was a lockdown number. There was a lockdown in Brisbane in January when I was in Adelaide. So I was meant to be in Brisbane in January. They had their lockdown. I was like, oh, that's not good for events. Oh, we no. didn't know what was going to happen. And then I flew home and then there was a lockdown in Perth about five weeks or four weeks out from the first event. Every state had closed to Western Australia. I live in Western Australia, by the way, guys. I remember that time so well. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wow, this isn't good. Um, and we got out of that. We got over that. And then Melbourne, two, I think it was like 15 days from the first event, went into a snap lockdown. So we had so many spanners continuously thrown at us throughout the entire like, build-up to the to this do it, go through every single state, quarantine-free, lockdown-free. That's crazy. Now, having learned so much along the way from COVID, Google, word of mouth, from everyone, 
what made you now realize, I wanna get a formal qualification. So you weren't interested in uni, but now you're actually studying a master's of business. How did this come about? I know for me, like, I had no um, formal understanding of how to run a business. And it was growing so rapidly. Like, we went from 300% a year growing to now 500% with new events, new programs, with the expected revenue to, like, go by 1,000%. So I really needed some foundations to actually, A, how to manage a business because I couldn't afford a general manager. Um, And also, I really wanted to build respect and build build a credibility for myself um, within the education space. And as someone who failed high school and as teachers who very value education being my customers, it was like, if I get this, there'll be a lot more trust in the brand and in myself, which I am very much the face of the organisation. Of course. So in some way, it legitimises what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. How did you get into a uni without an ATAR and without an undergraduate degree, particularly a master's level qualification. How did, everyone's baffled. How did this happen? <laughs> Great. Honestly, very valid question. Um, I sent a bunch of emails. Yep. I wrote a letter of application. I got some recommendations. And because I needed five years management experience, when I was doing Planopedia, I actually had people writing articles for me. Oh. So that A, that was me managing them and then going into youth leadership as well as the work I was doing in Magic Moments, which I'm now the chair of, their youth committee. Um, I had all that experience and I never once mentioned my age in the application process. I don't think they actually knew how old I was when they accepted me. Not too sure, not complaining, um, but it was very fun when I was in Adelaide doing summer school and there was someone on my table Born on the exact same day as me on the 29th of June, 1952, 1962. No way. They were four decades older than me, whatever the math works out to be. Yeah, so they were born in 1962. They were literally four decades exactly older than me. That's crazy. The people in your master's, are they typically older? What's the demographic? Um, Normally around 30, 35. Okay. 35 is the average age, I think. Yeah. Did you ever experience a time where someone, wait, have you, you've started it? And is it online? Yeah, most of them. I did two weeks of summer school. And when you met everyone, were they like, oh, how old are you? Yeah. What are you doing? Um, there was a lot. I was very, they were very, it wasn't much like doubt or hate. It was more like support, like, this is cool. Well done. This is impressive. Which is, for, for, for people doing masters, they're often people with more open minds. Yeah. I would say. Absolutely. It's not like an undergrad or even high school where yeah. you get, you know, the doubters and yeah, all yeah. They're, they're, if they're doing an MBA, they're often looking for opportunities. Absolutely, anything to collaborate and learn. Mm. Absolutely, and so now, how do you find time to differentiate between working on the business to then working in the business? Like you said, you are the face of the brand. So, how do you separate that? It's very much about like prioritizing what needs to be done. I know right now it's a lot about working on the business, systemizing it. Because when we bring on the three staff, it was literally middle of tour planning slash selling. So like there was no time to like, let's reset up in a way to like, be like wow, um, let's get them systems in place to be able to grow, to be able to grow consistently with structure. Awesome. The thing that I say, it's not that I don't have time, it's that it's not a priority. Um, so when like the events are coming up, evidently I'm working on the events, evidently I'm building slide decks. We were in Darwin 
um, and we had a fire em- evacuation at a hotel on the night before the event, and I was sitting on the side of the street with a computer open doing slides. Yeah. Um, so at them times, it's like I have to work on the business, on the events. Absolutely. And so what's next? What's plans for the future? Oh, God. I read this question before when you sent it to me. I was like, I should really get clear on this, but there's so many <laughs> things. Um, we begin primary school events in June. Primary? Yeah. That's so good. That's, that's going to be fun. So um, like grade five, grade six? Or yeah, grade five, yeah, grade six. That, so that's called the Dream and Lead Conference. So the thing we find is high school students, we're trying to re-engage. Primary students, were already engaged, so we're just going to like early intervention to keep them engaged the entire time. And so that's in June and May, and then we launch formally New Zealand in July. So we did that. We planned on only doing Auckland when we had the original tour. Auckland was the first event to sell out. So we were like, wow, New Zealand responded very well, which we were concerned about. We were worried because it's Youth Leadership Academy Australia, international brand. So now we're adding five more events in New Zealand. So we'll add the three from the nation. You could say, yeah. And yeah, and then the six months after that is planning again to do all again. I'm aiming to squeeze everything into the six, the first six months of the year, all the events, and then use the next six months planning. Will month is what I like to call it. Um, it's my birthday month, in case you're wondering, guys. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, and traveling as well as focusing on new opportunities. Absolutely. And what do you call it? Reflecting. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah. I'd love to ask you now for some advice for students. So, typically, students like to stay within their comfort zone. So, it's more common to be in your comfort zone as opposed to taking risks. Do you have any realistic or actionable things that someone could do to try get out of the comfort zone or grow, develop? Mm, Yes. Literally, start with a cold shower. I freaking hate them. Cold shower? Yeah. I had to, I did not expect you would say that. <laughs> Sorry. That's <is> so funny. <laughs> um, I was with I was actually with Will Connolly yesterday. He's a bloke who egged the politician. No way. Yeah. Are you we're, serious? We're good mates, yeah. How do you mates from school or <laughs> No, he, he lives in Brighton. Um Oh that's hilarious. Yeah. So he was like, Oh, I love cold showers. I was like, why? He was like so uncomfortable. I was like, you know, that's a good point. Um so what I did today is not have a cold shower because I forgot. But I walked to the tram stop with no jumper on because it, it was cold. It was a cold Melbourne morning today. Yeah. Um, but like, if I don't actually know the real reasons for it, but like, it, all your senses are less comfortable when it's cold. Yeah, I don't know either, but it's good yeah, for the blood so flow or something. Start with so. something as small as not wearing a jumper. Uh, get things that are actually challenging you, things that you don't like doing. And do them. Yeah. So in 2019, I went to America to go hiking. Um, through like Seattle Olympic National Park. Um, camping is my worst. Don't invite me camping. But and I also have arthritis. I had arthritis in my knees, so not very good fun th- thing to do. Not excited me at all. Everyone else is like, oh, hiking. Yes, I love hiking on the trip. I'm like, this is not exciting. Um, and don't take my phone away from me for 14 days. So I decided to do exactly that. Oh, my goodness. So I guess, yeah, doing something you don't want to do to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, so I just went from one extreme of showering to, like, going across the other side of the world um, <laughs> and doing hiking. So, yeah. Are you glad you did it? Oh, yeah. I look back at it. It's very glad. Would I do it again? Probably not. Um, but it was very cool. It was very cool. Met cool people, very unique experience, very grateful for the experience. Yeah. Cool. But I've done it now. So that was fun. Um, 
Nice. And then what about if a student says, oh, I'll wait till I finish school or I'll wait until I finish my degree. But I understand you're such a big advocate for, you know, age doesn't matter. Like you can do great things whenever. Why is like, how can we get over this? A year from now, you wish you started today. Yep. All right. <laughs> Drop the quotes. I love it. Yeah. Um, Literally, like, think think right now, if you're in three years' time, you don't have to go all in right now. You can just do it side by side, two hours a day, whatever it is. Don't say you don't have time. Say it's not a priority. Be very clear with yourself. Don't lie to yourself as well to say, like, oh, I don't have time for this. Look at your screen time, and if you have two hours on TikTok, really reconsider if you don't have time. That is so true. If you can do those two hours on TikTok, then you can do two hours of brainstorming, yeah. finding your passion. Absolutely. Planning a little side hustle. I have two hours on TikTok as well, but I don't do anything else but work. So I'm yeah. happy with my two hours of TikTok. <laughs> exactly. And so what if a student really wants to start their own thing? They've got the fire, they've got the passion, they're so energized, but they don't know where to, what, what it is. Yeah. What do you recommend they do to mm. find that thing that they're going to do, their venture? I've been very, very blessed to get a lot of exposure from a very young age. Um, exposure to the professional world, exposure to the speaking world. I spoke in Hawaii when I was 15. That was the coolest thing ever. That's awesome. But I'm very lucky to be exposed to these things. So literally just go go out. There's so many free events on like Eventbrite, like networking events, talk to people, try new things. It's literally the one way you'll find the thing that you like, the thing that you enjoy. Um, I'm very much... I have a love getting challenged. Uh, not yep. a challenge for me. There's I've got to change change them up. Um, so yeah, putting yourself out there, trying new things, and more and more you'll discover your why. And as you talk to more people, you'll be engaged in conversations. You'll find you're passionate about some things. You're not passionate about other things, and lean more towards the things you're passionate about and continue to explore them. Absolutely. Now, for any students listening, are there any opportunities to volunteer or yes. work with you in you some can, way? You can actually volunteer. Oh. Um, there's actually a – because it really depends on what you're looking for um, in terms of, like, if you want an opportunity. So we're de- currently developing a youth advisory board. Yep. Because what I know is we're 100% for youth, by youth, but I'm currently out of school. Therefore, I'm disconnected. Um, I've been out oh, – by next year, I'll be two years. And for me, that's not appropriate for me to be making decisions. We should be yeah. learning what the, what, what the problems they're facing. Um, yep. I'm a very big advocate for the reason why we're the number one for youth by youth program events for high school is because we don't make assumptions on what young people need. We are young people. Um, we don't make the, we, we literally are asking the questions more and more and more. So if you'd like to become well, a member of the student advisory board or a, 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 an ambassador for the program, literally just reach out. Where can we find you? Give me the handles. Uh, at W-A-L, Masara, M-A-S-S-A-R-A is me. And then at Y-L-A, Australia is Wala. Amazing. I'll put them in the show notes so people yeah, can thanks. find them. Don't be afraid to send a message or a DM and say, hey, like, I'm interested in volunteering. Or yeah, or even just ambassador. ask a question. If I haven't answered your question today, Ask you a question. Absolutely. And now lastly, I ask everyone, what's something you wish you knew when you were in school, year 11, 12? And you've already told me lots of things, but maybe what's one final note? Someone asked me this on stage the other day and I had no idea what to answer and I still <laughs> don't know because I feel like, what do I wish? I, I literally, I think it's, I wish I talked to more people. Yeah. Um, and I still stand by that for the entirety of, 20, entirety of 2019 right now. I'm like, I need to talk to more people. 
Um, so talk to as many people as you can get. Invest in. I'm 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 gonna make this. You you going to keep me accountable. I'm gonna have like three coffee meeting things a week. Okay, from now on on oh, Thursdays. Good. Guys, I'm just made that accountability for you. Okay, three coffee meetings to meet new people to get outside yeah. to learn more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really actionable for students as well. Yeah. So meeting with teachers, people in the community, you know, your dad's friend who runs a business, very helpful to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. It's been so great, very inspiring. I know that a students would get a lot out of it. Um, thank you. Yeah, no worries. I guess the only thing I'll leave with is we are so much more similar than we are different. I may sit here today doing my master's and be able to travel around the country, but in reality, I was literally, I spent three years working at Subway, I've spent two years working at Macca's, I've worked at Domino's on the e-bike, I used to deliver pizza. Literally getting here today, I took a selfie, which I'm very glad it is because I had toothpaste around my mouth and my collar was <laughs> undone. Um, oh. <laughs> so I'm literally... We we are the same person. Yeah, you're not, we're not this the same big, person, like, but we're very similar. Crazy business owner that's got their life together. We're all just human. No, I currently have Reeboks on that are very dirty. That's hilarious. I love it. You're so humble and so inspiring to chat. Loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. If you like this episode or have any more questions, head over to our Instagram at the.studentspace. Now there is a full stop between the and student. And just remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any personal advice. Thank you for all your support, everyone. See you later.